Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm just going to start by apologizing. I seem to have a frog in my throat that just won't go away. So, especially the folks at home, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Um, today is the Feast of the Baptism of Jesus, uh, and we pick up the liturgical narrative um, after the birth of Jesus and the Epiphany. And now we sort of, in, in the last three days, we've jumped right to the beginning of Jesus' ministry and skipped through the uh, the, uh, the, the period of time of his growing up and so forth, about which we have very little information. So um, there are a few great themes for the baptism of Jesus. The, um, we continue the theme of Epiphany, where we pick up that, that image of being the light to the Gentiles, where that was the, the three wise men being the first Gentiles to recognize Jesus. And that theme continues with the beginning of Jesus' ministry, where he started to do his work, which then spread to all the world. And the, there are a couple of, you know, like with Christmas and Epiphany, there are a couple of classic sermons that you're going to get on today. Um, and normally they have to do with baptismal ministry. So the liturgy is, is, uh, is constructed around this notion of how Jesus' ministry was inaugurated by his baptism. And so we also have our ministry inaugurated by our baptism. So classic sermon for today is we are all baptized members of the body of Christ, and it's not just the ordained who have a ministry, we all have a ministry. We are all baptized into ministry. Indeed, the meaning of baptism is ministry in some form, which um, is true, but not always helpful, um, because I, I'm, I'm, I've sat through sermons um, as a layperson where the preacher got up and waved his finger at me and said, you should be doing more, and I know um, uh, and I live in this place of constant guilt that I should be doing more and living out my baptismal ministry more and so forth. And, and the guilt at a certain point, um, I, I have two complicated feelings about religious guilt. One is that if you don't feel any, there's something wrong with you because um, <laughs> you're probably a sociopath. Um, but, but if you do feel it, it doesn't help. I have those two things at the same time. Guilt doesn't get you anywhere. Um, but anybody that has any compassion or feeling knows that this world is a mess and it needs people like us to do what little we can to make it a better place. And there's always more that we can do. And the baptismal ministry conversation can easily fall into that. And so that's, that's one sermon. I, I love doing this. I'm not going to preach that sermon because uh, I look out at you and you've all heard it. You all know it and you're all trying to live it. I get it. So you, like me, live in that place where we've accepted that to be a Christian actually means something. Um, it, it, uh, it changes us. It means we are somehow different and that we have to live into it. Um, and so I'm going to get into um, the, the, my thoughts today arise. Uh, let's see, there, there are two more thoughts. Let me start with another sermon I'm not going to give you, which is just because just, it's fun. It's, I do this for me, you know, as much as for you. But another sermon I'm, I'm going to give you, uh, not going to give you, is, um, is based on uh, the, the meaning of baptism, where it, it, it comes out of a phrase that I use, um, even though it's kind of wrong, where we might say in colloquial conversation, um, were you baptized Catholic? Or were you baptized Anglican? Or were you baptized United or Presbyterian or Baptist or whatever? How were, how were you baptized? And yes, that's a casual phrase and it means something and it tells you a little bit about your, your upbringing and so forth. Um, and so, I, um, so what I'm not saying is you're not allowed to say that anymore. 
But I am saying there's a problem with the assumptions underneath it, and there's a problem with what we understand baptism to be. And it's a common problem where baptism becomes membership in a tribe. And that is exactly not what baptism is. Um, When we interpret baptism as a kind of ethnic marker of the people who are like us and the people who are not like us. So because I was baptized like an Anglican, I'm, I'm not like you who were baptized a Catholic or a United Church or something. You know, it's this sort of ethnic marker, which is a complete um, betrayal of what being baptized into ministry means and being a, a brother or sister of Christ means. And certainly any, anyone that's done any um, theological education knows that you're not baptized Anglican or United or whatever. You're baptized Christian. Indeed, even the Roman Catholics will say that if a Christian, if a baptized Christian, not even a priest, stood over you, applied water in some fashion and said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are baptized. That's it. You don't need to be done again. Right? So, so baptism is baptism. It is not, it is not a, a, a membership rite that brings you into a particular club. The more subtle point is that's also true of the word Christianity. So to become a Christian, the important thing about becoming a Christian is not that it makes us not Muslim or Hindu or atheists or those other bad things that are out there, right? We just, we've just made the club bigger, but we still turned it into an identity marker that divides us from others. And I think that, again, is the mistake around what baptism is. Jesus' baptism didn't separate him from Jews or Gentiles or anybody. Jesus' baptism gave him the Holy Spirit and pushed him into ministry. I mean, he went into the wilderness to formulate what his ministry was, and then he went and did it. And it connected him to people. And indeed, if you want to summarize Jesus' ministry, his teaching, into one line, it is the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. That, that's what it is. And the kingdom of heaven includes everyone. And when the people that Jesus was ministering to were not baptized. They, they, weren't, they weren't Christians. They were just people. They were, happened to be Jews, Gentiles, whatever. And he ministered to them and loved them and, and was a member of the kingdom of God and showed people what it meant to be a member of the kingdom of God. And so when we came up with baptism after the fact, when we adopted John's rite and Christianized it, um, what we meant was we are now becoming part of what Jesus was a part of. And so we are brothers and sisters with Christ because we are baptized. But we are brothers and sisters in something that means something. It's not a group that is exclusive and has boundaries and and, and the, the importance of which is that we're not like those other bad people. Now to the final point, which is really where I wanted to go this morning. Really fun article in the Globe yesterday, day before, about happiness. Hilarious. Like we're going to solve it today when we've been working on this since human civilization has begun. But we've solved it, apparently. We have now apparently solved happiness. The Globe said so, so it's true. And how we solved it? By opinion polls. That's how we've solved it. We've just done the magic of social science has conclusively solved what thousands of years of philosophy and religion and everybody else couldn't do. Um, and social science says that the key to happiness are a few good things. Uh, food figures high among them and good coffee. 
uh, is another one that makes the list and so forth. And it's hilarious. And it's true. I mean, good coffee does make me happy. It's true. Um, but the, the, the article goes into the people that have made a science of happiness, the economists who are looking for a happiness index of populations and so forth. And, and, um, and it's interesting, and there's a good point there. There's a good point that well-being of a population is more than the economic indicator. That's true. The gross domestic product does not tell us the well-being of the population. And politicians like Jacinda Ardern are trying to do something about that. And good for her. All good. That's all, all lovely. But we haven't solved happiness. And m- more troublesome, at some level, human beings don't want happiness. And that's another thing that the happiness researchers are sort of throwing their hands up in the air. I, well, we figured it out. Why don't people actually want this? And there's a thought experiment that was mentioned in the article that I remember because I got it in my uh, first-year philosophy course in undergrad. And if the thought experiment is this. If there were a machine that you could go into and it could wire directly into your brain and put you in a fantasy land or a state of complete bliss for the rest of your life, would you go into that machine? Right? And students in, you know... 100% of the students in every philosophy class go, no, I would not go into that machine. Well, that's like being on heroin. Fine. But why? That's, that doesn't make you happy. You know? Or maybe happy is the wrong word. And that's, that's really where this discussion of happiness leads us, is that, of course, we don't want to be happy. Happy is great. But happiness comes and goes. There are other things that are more important than happiness in terms of the value of a life. And here's, here's where we're going to get to my one-word sermon, which is that baptism is not just a burden, it's a gift, right? And so the finger-wagging is the burden. You know, if you're baptized, you've got a job to do, you've got to be like Jesus, you've got to change the world, make the world better. Yes, all true, not helpful. But the gift of baptism is that other thing, that the reason why nobody wants to go into that machine, because being happy isn't the point, and we know it. We know it in our bones that it's not about being happy. We love being happy. It's great. Um, but that's not the point. Uh, it's not the point of life. It doesn't make life worth living. What makes life worth living is meaning. It's got to mean something. And going into that machine guarantees that your life will mean nothing. And it's not worth all the bliss in the world. Right? And that's the gift that we have received as baptized Christians, because meaning is understood through narrative. We make meaning of our lives by telling a story about ourselves to ourselves. And so we've had experiences, we've done things, but what does it mean? Well, you need a narrative to hold the thing together. Narrative is what makes meaning, right? And the gift of baptism is that the narrative of our lives is rooted in another narrative which we believe is objectively true which is a narrative about Jesus. So our narrative, our life story, has meaning because we understand it through the story of Jesus. And so when we look at the struggles and the sufferings and the celebrations and all the things of our life as baptized Christians, because we are brothers and sisters of Christ and following Christ into that kingdom of God, that is the narrative that helps us to make sense of everything that we've been through. So in the end, what it does to our suffering is that it makes it not meaningless. Because for a Christian going through suffering, where is God in this is our question, which can transform the suffering into something redemptive. 
and can't and does. That I've seen it. I've lived it. My own sufferings and struggles are all now through the lens of what is God leading me through this for? Not that I'm thanking God for it all the time. To be clear, I'm with the psalmist who yells at God and says, why do you do this? And I don't like it. And I think you're wrong. I know better, God. Um, I, I do all of that. That's all part of my emotional prayer life. All true. I'm real with God. I promised God that I'd be real. So I'm real. Um, but at some level, there's this narrative underneath it that says, and we got it in Acts, you know, when we're reflecting on baptism through the liturgy, we get the Acts reading where we get a little mini story of Jesus' life because that's the story. The, the, the nature of his ministry, the kingdom of God is at hand, went about healing and loving all those in need. Oh, that's the point. And so that somehow becomes our point and the, we, we understand the meaning and value and purpose of our life through the ministry of Jesus, which is the model for our ministry. Um, and we understand the suffering and death of Jesus um, as the lens through which we understand our own suffering and death. So we are dying through our sufferings. But the question for us is, where's the new life? Because we are resurrection people. The narrative continues past death. So our narrative continues past our own physical death, but it also continues past those little deaths that are our sufferings and losses in this life. And so when we hit these things in our life where we just don't get to have the things that we used to have, um, as Christians, as baptized people, we interpret that through the narrative, okay, so this is a cross that I've been given. Where is the resurrection here? And usually there is. Um, and, and if there isn't, it's probably because we haven't found it yet. But we keep looking, and the search is what creates the meaning which redeems the whole process from beginning to end. So baptism is not just a burden. It needs to be a bit of a burden. You can't just sit back and think of baptism as the pleasure machine that makes your life happy and better and saves you from suffering. That's not what baptism does. Baptism gives you the framework within which you understand your life and transforms your experience of it so that you get something better than the machine which is what we have, which is the gift we have that we carry with us, that we, it, which is a gift that we can offer the whole world. Because our, our mission to go and baptize all nations is to say, be a part of this narrative. This narrative saves, saves us from that other, all the other narratives that are out there, chasing happiness. You know, you, you look at the, the story of Jesus being baptized where you have this tension between you know, well, I'm just John. You are Jesus. Who am I to baptize you? And there are different answers that Jesus gives in the different Gospels. But the, the underlying point is some kind of humility that Jesus is modeling that, that humble. It's not, it's not the kind of kingship that, that you're used to thinking about based in power and wealth and pride. It's the opposite of that. There's no pride. There's no power. There's no wealth. What there is is meaning and purpose. And it's better than all the power and wealth in the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.